0: Then Elijah continued and said, Wait for me a little, and I will show you that there is yet more to be said in God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar, and I will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you.
1: Well, two things uh, are a bit striking in this. Wait for me a little. As little as uh, what I would call a lot. And uh, he definitely does not need any introductory course in self-esteem. You know, one who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Whoa, um, I think that's the same word "perfect." If I'm not mistaken, that was used about Job being a man of integrity. So he's not saying sinlessly perfect, but nevertheless, he certainly does think a lot of what he's saying. <coughs> Comments and thoughts on those four verses.
0: This turns you
1: off. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but but having the rest of them. <laughs> He just talks a lot. But I mean, man, there's nobody harsher than Eliphaz and Bill, that, that man, that maggot, you know.
0: They were really, really harsh and really mean, but I don't know. That they weren't. He focuses, a lot of you focuses a little more on himself. Well, oh, maybe
1: so, but they did too, somewhat.
2: Yeah. Maybe a little. The others did the thing, oh, I heard the wind or the spirit. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Well, I was... Yeah. <clears> That's <then>, right. <throat> yeah. Why do you just... I don't know.
0: He just and this one, he's going
2: to fetch his, his knowledge <laughs> from afar. <laughs> he must have a long neck.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. My knowledge is way up here in my head.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the, thi- uh, the thing to me that makes Elihu more that way it's just that he seems to be kind of on a rant. You know, he strikes me as somebody who probably t- drank too much coffee before he started <laughs> this. You know, just kind of—you just imagine him talking fast through all this.
0: It is ah.
1: man, there's—you just got too many kids. It's always hard to keep up with who's here. And who's here. <laughs> we
0: only got one more kid than
1: you. Yeah, uh, my kids never come home. So. Yeah. <coughs> Even. Yes. All right, so. Uh, but that, he, he definitely, he's, uh, he's just a little stuck on his uh, own value, I think. 5 to 16.
2: And behold, God is mighty, but does not despise any. He is mighty in strength and understanding. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives justice to the afflicted. He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but with kings on the throne. He he has seated them forever, and they are exalted. If they are bound in fetters, and are caught in the cords of affliction, then he declares to them their work and their transgressions, that they have magnified themselves. And he opens their ear to instruction and commands, that they return from evil. If they hear and serve him, they shall end their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasure. But if they do not hear, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. But the godless in heart lay up anger and do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth, and their life perishes among the cult prostitutes. He delivers the afflicted in their affliction and opens their ear in time of oppression. Then, indeed, he enticed you from the mouth of distress. Instead of it, a broad place with no constraint. And that which was set on your table was full of fatness.
1: Okay. So he starts by saying that God is mighty and He does the right thing, and you know He's He's the one in charge, um, which of course is true. And He says God is just, so He punishes the wicked and He doesn't withdraw from the righteous. That's true in the overall sense, maybe not in a specific sense. Um, but then he he really starts. He, this is one of his more comprehensive statements about the purpose of affliction. Because he says, you know, if they are bound in fetters and caught in the cords of affliction, then he declares to them their work and their transgression that they magnify themselves. He opens their ear to instruction and commands that they return from evil. He is trying to say that affliction is not supposed to destroy the sinner. That's not really God's purpose. It's not so much retribution it is trying to bring him back to God. You know, that when God afflicts us, he's doing it for our own good. He's doing it to bless us by bringing us back to him. So we'll listen to him and we'll serve him. And that's, I mean, there certainly, that is a biblical concept. Not that every affliction is that, but there is chastening and there, is, there are afflictions that God brings on us trying to get us to really depend on God more, to turn back to God more, maybe to humble us. And uh, as he says in verse 9, then he declares to them their work and their transgressions that they've magnified themselves. So when you go through affliction, sometimes it helps you humble yourself, you know, and not magnify yourself so much. But it's all going to depend on how you receive the affliction. You know, verse 12, if they do not hear, uh, then, then these, if they, if they hear verse 11 and serve him, if they do not hear verse 12. So are we going to listen to the affliction or not? Are we going to benefit by that? Is it going to really turn us back to God or not? the suffering will have different effects, different results, depending on how people receive it. Sorry. And uh, so, the, the godless just get mad in verse 13. Um, but he delivers the afflict in their afflictions and open their ear in the time of oppression, verse 15. So God is really trying to bless you with affliction. You know, Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your neck. Don't reject the affliction. Realize this is beneficial. This is God trying to bring you back and set you straight and all that. I mean, I think that's a fair statement. That's not Job's... I mean, Job's... Well, Job's test was not primarily disciplinary. I do think Job's sufferings reveal some chinks in his armor, and he turns out to be a better man after this than before. So I can see that God even used Job's suffering... In a way that benefited him and strengthened him in the long run, but I don't think that's the reason he was afflicted. We already know the reason. Comments and thoughts? All right, uh, 17 to
2: 23. But you are full of the judgment on the wicked. Judgment and justice seize you. Beware lest wrath entice you into scoffing, and let not the greatness of the ransom turn you aside. Will your cry for help avail to keep you from distress, or all the force of your strength? Do not long for the night when peoples vanish, uh, vanish in their place. Take care, do not turn to iniquity, for this, <clears throat> this you have chosen rather than affliction. Behold, God, God is exalted in his power, who is a teacher like him. Who has prescribed for him his way, or who can say
1: you have done wrong. Okay. So you who were full of judgment on the wicked, talking to Job, judgment and justice take hold of you, and you know, you gotta make sure you accept this properly. That's what he's saying. You know, you're just don't don't let the greatness of the ransom turn you aside. I think what he's saying is <clears throat> this affliction. It's exacting a heavy cost, but it's for your own good. So don't let the fact that it's really expensive, that it's really, you know, uh, costing you a lot, uh, that's still a small price to pay to be delivered from death. So, however hard the affliction is, it's a blessing to you. Don't look down on it. I think that's what he's saying. Um, again, he kind of misses the mark with Job. Um, and so in verse 21, don't turn to evil. You know, uh, sometimes when people are afflicted, they're just going to turn away from God because they're upset. Don't do that. And But also, who's, God is exalted in his power who's a teacher like him. I mean, don't criticize God's teaching methods. You know, uh He's, he's a perfect teacher if he wants to use affliction to do that it'll be good um, and and who's going to be able to question God and say that God's done wrong so he's still on this theme of the afflictions are beneficial they're going to turn us back to God but we're going to have to receive them properly and be thankful for them all right comments or questions through 23.
0: What people vanish in the
1: night? or vanish in the place? Uh, well, I suppose you know, wicked people. Wow. No. <laughs> they sort of die. They're gone. You know, don't don't try to don't try to be with them. Those people who just vanish in the night.
2: Yeah. Don't long for the night when bad people are out. Yeah. In other words, don't turn wicked.
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly his point. Don't turn wicked because you're frustrated that it's costing you so much to learn the lessons of righteousness. And it's a
0: little strange.
2: yeah, and like twenty one, don't prefer this to affliction. Right. In other words, you're being you're being corrected, so don't turn away from the correction and go to the evil, the dark side.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, Elihu is saying some things different from the friends I don't think we can say he's a carbon copy of them I still say this is better but it's not God
2: <laughs> is he saying that Job was on the opposite side 17 you know you were on the other side of this yes equation. well you were
1: judging the wicked and all that now the judgment has come upon you and you don't like it taking hold of you yeah which is similar that's similar to what some of the friends said you know everything was great and then suddenly you got the calamity and you can't handle it, job <laughs> all right 24 to 33
0: remember that you should exalt his work of which men have sung all men have seen it man beholds from afar behold God is exalted, and we do not know him. The number of his years <coughs> is unsearchable. For he draws up the drops of water. They distill rain from the midst, which the clouds pour down. They drip upon man abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thundering of his pavilions? Behold, he spreads his lightning about him, and he covers the depths of the sea. For by these he judges peoples. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. Its noise declares his presence. The cattle also, concerning what is coming up.
1: All right, he is beginning into his final monologue, where he is exalting the greatness of God. Remember that you should exalt his work, of which men have sung. Uh, man beholds it from afar. Behold, God is exalted. The number of years is insurmountable, and he describes God's being exalted. In terms of one of the things God does, and that is the violent thunderstorm, you know, so he starts telling about God, the God of the storm, he draws up, draws up the drops of water and they make rain, the clouds pour down, and uh, you know, can anyone understand this? You know, God God's way in the thunderstorm is awesome, it'll give you an adrenaline rush, but who can understand what God does to cause that? He spreads his lightning, he covers the depths of the sea. He gives food through that. Um, He covers his hands with the lightning, commands it to strike his mark. It's almost like, you know, I almost envision God was like lightning bolts, you know, on his fingers or something. He zoom, zoom, you know, just take out a finger and the lightning goes here, there, and yonder. You know, God's awesome in that. God's amazing. You know, He is is well able to control things, even even in terms of a thunderstorm, and uh, so. This is, this is a, you know, just really building up the greatness and power of God. Really, I believe 36.24 starts, like I said, this last section that's almost a build-up right into God coming through the whirlwind. God comes in a storm. Maybe, you know, there's some distant rumbling and God was approaching and he's describing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Comments and questions?
0: He sounds like Gary Henry. <laughs> <laughs> that in the middle of your struggle and your suffering and whatever is going on, that you should still remember that God is in control and that you should still exalt him.
1: Yeah. Maybe Gary's middle name is Elihu. I
0: mean. hope <laughs> well, Gary's not as arrogant as Elihu.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right, 37, 1 to 13.